baby's a freak like me and she knows just what I like She carries all the keys to the places that no one dares to find She won't tell nobody what goes on within these walls If they talk, they probably tell you all about love Welcome to a very special episode of Ghetto Blaster Magazine's Best Song Ever podcast. What you're listening to right now is the eclectic sound of LA-based electric soul prodigy Noam B with his fierce rock track, Freak Like Me. Noam B is the musical project of Noah Macbeth. With a wide range of influences, Noah combines a variety of styles self-produced and performed to create a -a one-of-a-kind sound. His debut album, They Might Have Even Loved Me, is out today on Third Brain. It honors all of the strong women who shaped him throughout his life. I had a great conversation with Noah about the album and the diverse array of experiences that led him to this point. So here's our extended play with Noah B. So before we talk about the album, I want to get started with a little bit of your background, because I uh, know you were born in Germany. So how long did you live there? I lived there for 19 years. Oh, wow. So most of your life. Yeah. And Sprechen Sie Deutsch, then, I assume? <laughs> yeah, I spreche gut Deutsch. Oh, you probably speak way better than me. I just had a few years in high school. but. Okay. What was it like growing up in Germany? Was that was that a cool experience? And then what made you uh, come over to the U.S.? It was cool, man. I mean, it was it was, you know, um, it was very different than the U.S. Uh, uh, I I grew up in a fairly suburban kind of environment, and, and, mm. and it was more just like middle class, like school. You know, um, a little, a little bit of everything. Uh, Germany is very dense, yeah. As far as like, um, you know, demographic goes, and and you know, like there's, there's not like vast neighborhoods. It's just like the the, the you know, the suburban neighborhood is right next to the poorer neighborhood. Is right next to the rich neighborhood. Too. Mm. So everybody kind of goes to the same school. There's a lot of diversity in schools. Um, so all my all my best friends were Filipinos, Turkish people, um, like you know, German, native Germans, uh, Asian, whatever. So um, yeah, it was it was interesting. It's a cool environment to grow up in. And uh, were you into music? Did you get into playing music in Germany, or was that when you moved over here? No, I was I was always into music, man. I I guess as long as I can remember, I started. Uh, Playing classical piano when I was about six, and oh, then wow. I, I started um, just writing a lot of my own stuff pretty early on, and wrote poetry. And then when I was thirteen, I got into rapping and started producing shortly after that. And um, I was like, I think it was until I was like fifteen, sixteen that I uh, picked up a guitar. And I always, always wanted to play guitar, you know, and my dad was very musical. So, um, 
it all came like different stages in my life, you know, that I kind of wanted to learn something new and, and, and progress. Nice. And is that your primary instrument that you write with, guitar? Uh, right now it is, yeah. I do write I do write a good amount on piano, but um, very little that, that actually made the album. So it's something I look forward to in, in, the, in the, you know, in the far future to do more stuff on, on piano and maybe even classical compositions and things. That's cool. And you, do you produce all your, your stuff that you've been putting out? Yeah, I produce everything. Wow. And you, uh, you have very eclectic influences, you know, combine a lot of styles. Is it kind of challenging? Do you have to sort of tailor your production to for different styles or does it all just kind of come naturally? It, uh, it comes fairly naturally. You know, I'm very indecisive and, and I really love all genres of music. So, you know, I had a phase where I was really into, into sampling and, you know, like boom bop, hip hop and sampling mm-hmm. funk and jazz. And that's how I got started. And then in college, I really got into deep house more and, a lot of electronic music. Um, always listen to singer songwriters and, and rock, uh, classic rock, and my, my, my dad's home. And um, so, like you know, when I when I really started to produce more, I jumped around a lot. You know, um, I have I have probably enough deep house records to fill an album with, and as much as enough, you know, uh, blues songs or licks to, to make a record with and I just kind of pick and choose what, what ends up being the best song yeah. you know that's my primary focus is just having a good song that people can listen to so it's it's making it cohesive is kind of like the last mm. thought in the process you know yeah and I uh, was reading that where you said like the days of albums are done and it's all singles you know which makes sense with like the millennial sort of attention span you know we're all kind of ADD now um but it kind of makes me sad that the days of albums might be over do you think it's going to stay that way or we'll get back there yeah I mean I think people still appreciate a good body of work you know uh obviously it's not the, the the main way to digest music like people need to pick and choose as, as far as music discovery goes but once you find an artist that you fall in love with, you you want more. You know you you don't want to live off of those three singles. You know, so I think I think it's a it's a it's a bit of both, and that's kind of what we tried to do with this last what we did with this coming album, where we did a single a month and we teased people for a good year, and you know show people this these these are the singles. This is what you're getting into. And then there's still a body of work. Like I'm still, in the end of the day, an, an album artist. Yeah. And uh, it's it's just you know like one is one is marketing, and the other thing is is just the fan experience. You know, I I think the two are somewhat separate, but not mutually exclusive. Right. So, have you pretty much released the whole album in single form? Because I saw you released a lot of singles. You were doing a monthly. Is, did you pretty much release the whole album and then just pick your favorites of those? Uh, yeah, well, the, the, we we had a lot of the album in 2016, but that's when I started writing it. 
um, and, 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 and trying to finish a lot of it. And then coming into 2017, we had about 10 records that were completely done. And then we just rolled those out. And in the process of 2017, I still wrote some more. And and that ended up, you know, finishing the record. And now with, with it coming out on Friday, basically there are a few more new songs that we're adding to it. But for the most part, it's 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 pretty much what we've put out last year. And what are some of your personal favorites? Some of the songs you're proudest of? Oh man, they're all my babies, man. <laughs> I think I'm really proud of Rocky Horror. That's the one about my mom, and it's a very personal song. I like it also because it's a one shot, and I I didn't overthink the production. You know, it's just one mic and just. I, I, I did it in one take and I'm proud of that I don't know there's a new song called Milk and Coffee which uh, I think is really cool it took me a long time to figure out the verses but it's it's to me like the definition of like a crossover record like it's a very in your face rock tune but it has a lot of electronic and pop sensibilities that would would make it kind of you know record that that a mainstream crowd could digest without without losing its integrity
if you're feeling lonely Whatever's on your mind, you can put it on me Anything you want, darling, know it's okay I'll carry your weight, baby, baby, all day Together we'll make the perfect cure for heartache So tell me if you're in or looking for a friend Cause I'm ready to swim, darling If you promise one thing, to love me in the morning the concept you have for the album uh you know honoring all these females that shaped you what what inspired that idea and um how did you kind of keep that cohesive theme with all these sort of separate singles floating around there so when i when i was working on the album i basically i just wrote for a few weeks and came out with a bunch of songs and i played them for my manager he he basically told me he was like you know all those songs are about a woman did you realize that and i was like no i I didn't even notice i was just writing kind of about my life and personal stories that i'm that i'm you know that 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 are on my mind right now and um it wasn't until he said it that it became like a real thing and and that sparked a whole conversation around you know, it being a conceptual album. And then obviously like like me personally, I, I consider myself feminist and, and I'm very vocal about, you know, uh, uh, you know, that topic and, and, and the whole movement and equality and not just not just of, of recent, you know. Um, so like that whole angle and him know like my team knowing me and it, it kind of gave the album this other spin as opposed to it just being songs because to me I was just writing songs and and that led to just like a long conversation throughout the whole year of how can we how can we present this right to the world like the story of different women in your life when it's not a feminist record per se you know when I when I have songs about heartbreak and songs like about sex or whatever but that's I think the the context that you you, sh- you should listen to these songs and and that's who I dedicated to. So it's um it's it's really interesting. I think and the timing uh, is interesting. You know, like towards the end of 2016 and when mm-hmm. Trump got elected and that whole thing. I feel like it's like a, a zeitgeist kind of of our generation as well to talk about these things and to discuss these things. And obviously that crosses over into art. You know, sometimes. Subconsciously, sometimes consciously, and there there is a song called "Man Up" on the record that uh, that's like a statement for sure. That's more like a political song, I would say. But all the other songs are, you know, just love songs. There's songs about imprisonment, you know, songs about friendship, um, and it, it 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 all, you know, has women at the at the core of it. You know. Yeah. That's great. It all kind of just came together with the sort of cultural moment. But like you're saying, you know, you've probably always been a feminist, always cared about issues like this, but just kind of came together. And speaking of that, you have a all-female band. And again, was that a conscious choice or were they just musicians that you wanted to work with? 
that was a very conscious choice actually um i but it was it, again it was several things coming together like i wasn't happy with my existing band i knew i need to switch some members around um and it was just with with one of our conversations where i think i just i just blurred out I was like what if we did an all-female band and everybody just loved it and at the same time my manager supported me an email saying that 80% of festival performers are men. And, wow. and I thought it was really, really interesting that most people on stages are still men, you know, and, uh, I just thought it would be a, a, a good time to make a conscious effort to, to, you know, kind of combat that. And I, I knew some of the players and my bass player Zuri was recommended to me by another guitar player. And so I met with them. I didn't really have to audition anybody. I, I already knew that I wanted to play with them and that they were great players. I went to one of my my drummer's shows to make sure that I see her live. And she was just incredible. And I was like, yo, this is this is perfect, you know. Um, so they, I, you know, it, they're, they're not in my band primarily because they're girls, you know. All right. Like, are they are you know some of the best players in, in, in all of Los Angeles and, and have great personalities and I feel really lucky to to play with them. And yeah, I saw the Freak Like Me video and you guys rocked, you killed it. And um give me a rundown of your band, uh who each of the members are and uh what they kind of add to the band. Yes, yeah, so uh, I mentioned Zuri, uh Zuri Appleby She's on bass, and uh, she is originally from Buffalo, New York. She's an incredible player. Her dad was a bass legend. And um, uh, funny enough, she's also an ex-Marine and wow. just super, super badass. And um, and uh, then there's Heather Baker, who is who plays guitar. Um, Heather and I both play guitar on stage, and she is probably the most experienced out of all of us. Like, she's toured for many years. She's played with Bonnie McKee. She's toured with the uh, the cover band, the Iron Maidens, mm-hmm. um, which is a really big, big Iron Maiden band. And she's just one of those people, like, she she's a super guitar nerd, and she just shreds. You know, she's one of the best guitar players I've ever, I've ever come across. And she also kind of takes on a bit of a leader role in the, within the band, you know, I feel like she kind of represents the girls when we're having a lot of conversations about touring and things. Nice. Um, so, yeah, Heather Baker, and then there's Brittany Macarello, or Brittany Mac, we call it. She's from New York. Uh, she was actually the first uh, band member I met, and I met her at a party at, at my manager's uh, office, and we really hit it off, and um, she's she's the one where she you know we kept in touch throughout the months and then when I knew her band had a show coming up I went there I didn't I didn't tell her I was coming and just and just watched her perform and she has like a really raw way of playing you know like she's been playing she, literally since she's like two years old her dad was a drummer and she loves drumming you know you can really tell and that's the other thing about. I think hiring female creatives or hiring hiring women in general in roles that you may not expect them is that 
they are far more eager to excel, you know, and I, I'd rather hire someone who's been told their whole life that they're not as good as somebody else, you know, than somebody who's just overly confident and they may not do as good of a job. But that's, that's across the board, you know, like whether you hire video editors or, or um, directors and things. But I think with the band, I think I made, uh, it, was, it was the right call, you know. They're, they're incredible, incredible, incredible players. Yeah, and did they play on the album with you as well? Some of it, I play. I play most of it on the album just because it's a lot quicker, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm on the spot. But then there's a song, "Jump Right In," where we were rehearsing, and I just noticed that Zuri was doing such a great job and like adding little fills and things. So I I had her come in and replay everything. Then Brittany played, replayed a few samples, like drum samples that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were mentioning her dad was a musician. I wanted to ask you. You said your dad was musical too. Um, yeah. What did he do? And like, uh, was he kind of a big inspiration for you to get into music? Yeah. Well, he he wasn't so much an inspiration to get into music. He he just he just fostered the whole process because I I, I always felt I I needed to to do something music related, and my dad was so supportive of that you know like he always told me he doesn't care what grades i have if i'm a really good piano player or or he always you know we didn't have a lot of money growing up but when i told him i wanted a guitar he you know he made it work you know so it was it was always something where he never wanted me to to not get the musical education that he, he felt i needed and it was the same with my mom and my grandparents, you know, they were always there and always encouraged me to practice, always reminded me to practice, um, would buy me records for my birthday, you know, it was, everybody had a, had a very um, strong appreciation for music in our, in our house household. So my, and, and my dad, you know, he was a drummer growing up, he was an artist manager, he, he knew the business, you know, so... It, it, it kinda it kinda makes sense, I think. Although like none of them do music professionally, I I think it, it made sense that I would end up doing it somehow. And um you mentioned your mom was the inspiration for Rocky Horror and I'm sorry I don't know the the story there. If it's something painful that you'd rather not talk about, that's okay, but um no, I was just wondering not. what the what the story was behind that song. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm definitely cool talking about it. I, uh, so my mom had a, long story short, she had a very rough life, you know, and when I was a teenager, she, um, was wrongfully, uh, uh convicted of, of, of kidnapping my, mm-hmm. my brother. And, uh, this was during like a custody case with, with, with my stepdad. And it was just a lot of, a lot of stuff that caused her, caused her a lot of stress, and um, you know, I, I also have to mention my mom is a highly, highly educated uh, um, individual. She, has, you know, she's one of the smartest people I've ever met, and now she's built a company as a as a book publisher and editor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's written bestsellers on on real estate. She did real estate for a long time as well, but you know her going to jail was was tough to say the least like on on her you know i 
just hearing her stories and everything, it, it was very heartbreaking. And when when I wrote Rocky Horror initially about the narrative of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I noticed there were so many parallels to this to this plot. You know, mm-hmm. when there were two people who were stranded and are, are guests in, in, in a person's home, but they're not really allowed to leave. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like this. There's a dinner setting and. You, you, you're, you're not really a guest, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was just interesting, you know, in, in how it relates to to life in a lot of ways and, and your place in society, how you're also kind of captive to to your surrounding and your, your, your bubble. And um, that, that can determine what what your what your life is going to look like. And, um, and then there's obviously, you know, literal prison and in my opinion on on that and our justice system and the courts and the song just encapsulates a a lot of things that are are on my mind and and there's there are a lot of layers to it and that's why it is probably my favorite song on the album it's it is obviously about my mom but it it has many many layers to it and i think as a writer, you know, you only get so much, so you only get so many songs that can do that, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like you, you write a lot and you always try to hit that mark where something touches people, but it also, it comes from the heart, but it also, it sounds good, you know, and, and, um, and has, has, has a layer of depth. So, that's, that's the story behind that. There's a rocky of a picture show Toss into an open road Wondering if someone might be home Taught to love these open doors Can I stay for supper as I'm lost? Well, of course, now step right in Just in time, we've just begun there are two more seats left, choose just one There's no rush, no telephones If you stay, we'll crack your bones, but don't Wouldn't you want 
No, that's awesome that you honor her in that way and kind of tell her story in song. And that's a beautiful song. I felt like that one really grabbed my attention just style-wise because, like you're saying, it's more bare. And you said you did it in one take, but that's that's awesome that you're kind of telling her story. And how long did you say she was in jail? Uh, about a year and a half. Oh, man. And I'm assuming that was here in America? Uh, actually, it's funny that you say that because it, it started in Costa Rica. Oh. And uh, then she then she was able to take some of her time, which was four months, and, and use it towards her time here, which shortened her sentence in Miami. And she only had to do about a year in Miami. Well, I'm glad she's doing all right now and uh, worked it out. She's doing great right now, actually. That's awesome. And then speaking of your family members, kind of an auxiliary family member is obviously Shaka Khan, your godmother. And I I read that she, you said she didn't really influence you musically and you didn't really observe her as the star. So what was that, was that experience finding out about her stardom sort of was it shocking to you no it was very it was very uh, gradual you know like as a kid she was auntie shaka and and i didn't really get into you know like a lot of soul music till later and and she, I, I always knew she was around and then sometimes my dad or his friend would put on a video of her performing and i knew she she made music but then uh but when my cousins would mention Shaka Khan, I didn't. I I thought they were just talking about Shaka because mm-hmm. they knew of her through our family or something. It wasn't really like I was aware that other people in other countries knew who she was outside of our circle of friends and family. And then when I, you know, when I was a teenager, it, it started to really dawn on me. And my dad was just like, yeah, you know, or my mom was like, you know, yeah, you know, like Shaka is that person. And, hmm. uh, and at that point I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Uh, but she was, she, she was like a family member, you know what I mean? So I never, I never had that, um, that experience where I could be starstruck or anything like that right. because also, she the way she talks to you is like really down to earth, and like when when I when I do hang out with her, um, we don't really talk about music that much. To be honest, we talk right. about life and we catch up. Like she asks me a lot about my girlfriend, or she'll or we'll talk about cooking and people who we have to see because they're really great cooks, and hmm. you know, like maybe we'll talk about records we like. You know, like we'll talk. Like you know, she's a big Brian Adams fan. But Brian or Ryan Adams? I always forget which one's which. Who's the older guy? Um, I think that's Brian. Brian's the one who does the Summer of '69. Ryan Adams yeah. is married to Mandy, or he was married to Mandy Moore and got divorced. Yeah. Okay. 
okay, cool. Yeah, no, then it's Brian Adams. Okay. <laughs> I always forget. But I remember she gave me a CD once to like put in my like pocket to keep it safe. And I actually, I, I totally, I went home and forgot I never gave it back to her. And it's been like years that she's missing that Brian Adams CD. But um, <laughs> I'm digressing. But um, <laughs> She's going to come hunt you down for that Brian Adams CD. Exactly. But, she, you know, she's cool. But it's also, she, she does live in like a, a weird kind of world, you know what I mean? It's kind of. Like our musical worlds don't really intersect, you know. I think I'm I'm a bit more. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm not nowhere close to that place in my career, but I feel like the whole blog world and 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 artists like MGMT or or you know newer artists like Tammy Paula or Two Feet or mm-hmm. whatever, like that kind of world that I mingle in is is is, a, is like a different music industry almost. So. It's 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 kind of funny that way, you know, um, how we really really talk about about that kind of stuff, you know. Hmm. And you mentioned the likes of MGMT, and I've seen them come up a lot uh, in, in like comparisons to you. And uh, obviously, you have a wide range of influences. But um, what would you say some of your your best songs ever? or your best albums ever, some of the biggest influences on you, or just some of the stuff you love the most? I mean, as of recent, to be honest, like Tame Impala was a huge influence on me. Um, it's just, I don't think I've listened to an artist that much other than maybe Michael Jackson when I was a kid. Well, I would just listen to it almost every day when I'm cooking, when I'm, when I'm just hanging out in the car. Um, you know, it like that a tribe called Quest that nice. was huge for me. And for I have, I would say I have different influences for different parts of the process. If that makes sense, right? You know, like I have favorite songwriters like um, Bill Withers and uh, Rob Temperton, Frank Ocean. Um, those those are like some of my yeah. favorite lyricists. And then I have favorite producers like Pete Rock. Uh, Pharrell, uh, Damon Auburn, right. and and people I respect like Paul Epworth and and you know classic people like Quincy Jones. Like I've always been a huge Quincy Jones head, you know. Um, but uh, but then also like you know like artist producers like Tori Moi was a huge influence on me. Oh, yeah. James James Blake, you know, like that's just my generation. I feel like where they were pioneers and they kind of influenced everybody. You know, yeah. uh, Chet Faker was 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 an influence on on my music. Uh, as much as sometimes sometimes it can be like one song, you know, it can just be one single. Like like right. I, I want to say like Ben Khan, you know, when his EP came out, that was really cool. And then Jai Paul, like those guys. Oh, yeah. So I kind of take I kind of take it from from, from everywhere and and. I would say my one of my all-time favorite artists is also Daft Punk. I must say, that's oh, something yeah. I I listen to a lot. And that uh, that comes yeah, through. Man. I feel like you. I feel like you hear traces of a lot of different stuff when I was listening to yours. Um, the album cover for uh, "They Might Have Even Loved Me" 
feels very like 80s or 90s to me and there's actually something that really reminds me of that I can't put my finger on and uh I just wonder if you know what the inspiration for that was or was there something specific you were trying to go for with that it was a couple things I didn't I I had a mood board that had a similar shot in it um by this artist that uh, had a lot of people just kind of tumbling over each other yeah and and um we were trying to do that, and but we were on the time corner, so we actually never got to do the full tumble kind of shot. But what we came out with was that album cover shot, and you know, it was it was a couple of things coming together. You know, it was like a year too long branding journey where we kind of were conscious of like the you know the Jimi Hendrix and kind of the mixed guy with the guitar which is kind of like a stigma you know like Lenny Kravitz or Prince or Mm -hmm. you know um but I kind of wanted to also steer away from it because I feel like I'm I'm kind of like a a a, a new I don't know like a contemporary kind of soul singer or like my interpretation of what a soul or rock artist would be so I I I I now appreciate the comparison to like a Jimi Hendrix but before I never really liked that because I feel like it doesn't really make sense to compare artists like that it's just easy to say like okay here's a kid with the afro hair who plays guitar and he's like that and I wear like to wear bandanas obviously (laughs) but I think with that album cover we we just we really just wanted to make something timeless and Brando the the creative director and, and photographer he loved uh, my mood board with the tumbling thing, and he brought uh, uh, a camera that had a he had a filter for the camera that I, the Isley Brothers used a lot, which made mm. everything have like this kind of yeah. like, light, hazy kind of hue, or, or like edges, like the edge of or the contour of like an arm would have like this glow on it, you know, right. and and that's what kind of makes it look like it's actually old and then the color choice and the font choice and the bandanas I think I think what's interesting it's interesting that you say 90s because it is actually very 60s but the funny Hmm. thing about 90s alternative is that they were all trying to be like the 60s so like everything that's kind of after the 60s when you talk about like like retro you know, I feel like the nine, like the nineties, really brought that full circle. You know, like how things go in cycles, kind of. Yeah. How how all things kind of come back, and I feel like in the nineties there was like the sixties throwback, obviously paired with grunge, paired with all right. those things. So the nineties, the nineties were a bit darker than the sixties were, um, and and heroin had a big comeback and all that stuff. Right. So that's that's why I think this cover. Um, has that kind of feel where it feels like a little bit of D'Angelo, but a little bit of Jimi Hendrix, maybe. And um, yeah, I, I yeah. always say that too. I feel like it's way more '90s than anything else. Hmm. But we were always going for a '60s kind of look. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is now the '90s are kind of like the retro thing that people like to reference a lot. So that makes sense. The yeah. cycle starts again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned Pharrell was a big influence on you. And then he picked your song for uh, his HBO documentary series, Outpost. So 
how how did that feel a to have one of your heroes be a fan of you and b to be a part of this hbo series which seems like it's going to be really powerful important show man that that was just i i almost didn't let myself be too excited to be honest (laughs) it was you know that world of of especially think and tv it, it it can it can be really tough for artists and i've done it a few times where i send out songs and pitches and and you you think you got something and then they tell you you got it and you're just thinking like oh my god i'm gonna make a hundred grand on this or whatever and then last minute it just sorry we 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 don't like your song anymore um so i've had it happen a few times so when they said like okay we want we want to try your song for this i was like well yeah you know that'll be great you know if, if it works if it doesn't it doesn't but in my head i was like i knew this would be insane if it actually came through and and then pharrell loved the song and and immediately wanted to wanted to do it and I, I was just like it was incredible that was really really incredible but like i said it's, it's kind of weird sometimes when you're trying to not get your hopes up for something you know right. so um and I'm, I'm also i'm kind of superstitious to be honest like i feel like sometimes i jinx myself if i if i celebrate things too openly or whatever right. i try to just you know get the work done and then move on well, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, man. So obviously the album, They Might Have Even Loved Me, is out today. Anything else you want to plug? Um, are you going to be out there touring? We're doing the Advanced Placement Tour for Alt Nation and Sirius XM. And uh, I'm going out with Mickey Echo and Mansion Air. We'll be um, starting April 10th, all throughout April into May. And... Um, I will actually, before that, be opening for Alt-J in Denver. Awesome. So technically, my, my touring starts a little earlier, and then uh, after all those gigs, we're doing a headline show in um, Los Angeles at the Troubadour on May 16th. And that's that'll be, you know, that'll be the, the, the good chunk of the touring in this quarter, and then we're doing a headline tour towards the end of the year. Um, so there'll be, there'll be plenty of plenty of gigs I think hopefully we'll make it to Europe and Australia but you, you never know it's it's hard to say at this point anything else you want to add uh, about the album or just about anything I put a lot of love and work into it the last four years and I'm glad that it ended up being a more meaningful conceptual record than, than I initially anticipated and the story of the women I hope it can have a lot of good come out of that you know and mm-hmm. and that it will be a great platform to have more of these conversations. That's uh, that's really it. That's awesome. Well, thanks for talking to me, and I'm excited to hear the album. Thank you, man. I appreciate your time a lot.